KXNO. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO as we talk sports with you for the next couple of hours and certainly appreciate you carving out some of your morning to spend time with Trent and I. On the BMW Des Moines guest list here this morning, we're, we'll play the, uh, play the hits. Alex Halstead on Iowa State, John Bowen Camp on the Hawkeyes and Kerry Miller, college basketball. He's with Bleacher Report. He'll slide on in here. We will go around the carnage of a basketball, college basketball weekend. Wow. What a, it's just amazing. Uh, we Weekend in college basketball. Pretty good weekend in sports overall. Baseball was on my television. Don't want to spend a ton of time on the Marquee Network, but it was. How are you, Trent Condon? One of your three uh, Wells Fargo Weeks assignments is behind you. Wrestling done. Week off to catch your breath before the girls and the boys take over. Yeah, it's uh, though a busier week because there's still a lot more to do. This is uh, the week that I have to catch up and everything that I... Uh, maybe haven't been working on that I should have the last couple of weeks, but what a tournament it was. Uh, pound of my chest, my Green Devils finally brought home a title. First time since 1981 they did win the traditional title in the 2A level. Uh, 11 second place finishes. Osage has been known as a choker at times. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, not just in wrestling, but in other sports too, but 11 second place finishes. But couldn't get over the hump over the last 39 years. So cool to see. It's not kids that I know. It's kids' parents I know <laughs> right. anymore uh, that are in the wrestling community. But So how will the town celebrate? Well, they had the celebration yesterday as the kids made their way back, the six wrestlers that made the state tournament, and they came into town. People are lined up in the streets. That's nah, outstanding. I uh, saw some video of that. People waving at the caravan, making its way back from, from the big city of Des Moines. And then they went to the high school, and that's where they had the award celebration. A lot of people got up and talked and things like that and saw some video. So really cool, and the importance in small towns. It's No question. I'm, I'm proud of where I'm from. I'm proud of where I grew yes, up. And, and to see that, it really was. It was cool because so many of my friends were wrestlers, and so many of those guys that couldn't get over the hump as a team and to be able to do that. Really cool story and seeing names from the past that he hadn't thought about in decades all of a sudden coming out there. And as I said, you know, people's kids now that are wrestling with the wrestling program. It, it was really cool and fun to be able to be a small part of it. Got to uh, see some of the matches with the Osage guys, of course, not calling those matches the same way we did on the local level. But it was a fun week, no doubt. Well, good stuff. Uh, the reviews are in and uh, the the uh, Central Iowa and all those people listening on the uh, iHeart app uh, certainly appreciated your coverage from this past week. No yeah, doubt about that. It was, it was a great time. And it, um, having Cody there Friday really helped out those first two days. I told you just uh, how crazy it is with eight mats going at the same time and trying to keep everybody out there. You want to at least name all the kids that are out there in the map from Central Iowa. And apologies, because I know I missed a few during the time, but... It's a passion. It really is. I love the wrestling. They're, the state of Iowa, it is so good. Um, my, I think I told you before, my great uncle, he was the wrestling coach at LSU when LSU had D1 wrestling back in the 70s and 80s. And basically everybody in the SEC started to disband uh, wrestling in the mid-80s. But my uh, grandma went down one year after he moved to high school wrestling coach after LSU stopped having wrestling. <laughs> Your and grandma went to took the, over the LSU program? Yeah. <laughs> and grandma went down just to to see you know her, her brother-in-law and, yeah. and her sister-in-law, and we're hanging out with them, and they went to the state tournament in Louisiana. 
My grandma said it was in a high school gym. Uh-huh. There might have been a thousand people there right. watching the wrestling. It just the difference between packed to the rafters, fifteen thousand that we have That's here, awesome. compared to what it is in Louisiana. It was a great environment. Uh, Ed Winger, who passed away earlier this year, the voice of the Iowa high school tournament for a number of years. Wrestlers clear the mats mm-hmm. and the cheers that would go out. It was really cool. They played audio of him saying that did they one final time wrestlers clear the mat before the finals they also had a a video kind of put together of him and his career and his life so it was really really well done by the the iowa high school athletic association and remembering the voice of the state tournament for so many years ed winger that's really good uh the economic impact i'd love to be able to oh. see those numbers it's got to be huge right? yes and everywhere you go i live in west des moines and i was out at the mall one day made that mistake i always tell myself don't go to the mall during state wrestling, because it is crazy, and it was mm. again. But that, I'm sure you saw it up in Ankeny, people in hotels. Well, well, maybe. Where I noticed it most of all is the is the left lane. <laughs> right. Is, is the passing lane. Uh-huh. We, yep. we, we don't get that, I guess, if you're not from uh, if you're not from Polk County. <laughs> sure. It just escapes them what the left lane is for. And, and we'll have to go through it the next two weeks. I'm not complaining. It's part of Iowa. It, it is, yeah. And uh, people making their way to the big town. It's exciting. It, it was exciting when we made our way every time. I bet. It is. It's something different for, for people in small towns making the way. And while we have a moment, too, want to thank the sponsors of high school wrestling that were with us. GRL Law over in West Des Moines, the Chicken Coop in West Des Moines on Grand Avenue, Washer Systems of Iowa, Rush Niggett of Brick Gentry Law PC, Grinnell Mutual, and Elite Eye Care. Thanks to all of them for sponsoring state wrestling this year. Absolutely. All right, so let's get into the basketball from over the weekend. There's so much ground to cover. I mean, a fascinating story in the NHL. Um, it's not a big story. I mean, it kind of is. If, well, maybe not if hockey doesn't move your needle. But there's no, I can't think of one, and maybe I'm wrong. No professional sport where a rank amateur would get an opportunity to have his 15 minutes of fame by actually playing in a game, as we saw the emergency goalie uh, for Carolina who was thrust into action, and he actually beats his favorite team, his childhood team, and uh, in the Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh, that that was just bonkers uh, when those things happened. Of course, it happened. I think two years ago was it that the guy the from Black the Black guy? Yeah, and uh, of course they shared the ice that night with the with the Jets. Uh, so I'm glad that this one kind of uh, now takes the place of that one as far as embarrassments for losing teams when a, uh, a rank amateur. This case, I wondered why Zamboni was trending on Twitter on oh, Saturday geez. night. Right. Zambo, this guy was a crash. Maybe I wondered what the heck it was. So this guy actually drives the Zamboni at the hockey games. So that's why Zamboni was trending. So I clicked on it and found out the story, but just remarkable. And now he's all over yes. the news today. Daniel Ayers is his name. Yeah, I've heard him on national radio this morning. I heard him over the weekend. He, uh, yeah, it's becoming a, a really cool story. So help me out with the logistics of this, though, because for my mind, my non-hockey mind, it doesn't make a lick of sense that they just have a guy waiting in the wings. So you have you dress two goalies. You dress two goalies, right? And, and both of them happen. got hurt. <laughs> so and, here's the other thing: what if both the goalies for the Canadians? Got hurt. Well, then you're, is there, well, is there it's the no- Leafs, but yeah, yeah. Are the Leafs, point, sorry. Right. Is there yeah, another no, I don't guy think waiting so. on deck? Trent, I, I, a backup to the backup? Yeah, I can't see that being the case. I mean, this has happened twice that I can remember, and it's happened twice recently. Right. But what if they would have had to go to, that's a good question. I guess maybe address a, I don't know. Do you, do you put just one of your own players? I think so. I think that probably throw would on be the, pads? the case. Well, I don't even know if you'd throw on the pads. you just put them between the pipes. And, okay. Uh, but uh, but a crazy, crazy story. We put a goon back there? 
Yeah, I wonder. There's no goons in the league anymore, though. No. That certainly has changed there. All right, let's get to the basketball because, man, oh, man, the carnage. The Saturday Saturday started in just just spectacular fashion. We were looking forward to Baylor in Kansas. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we'd had this game circled, as a lot of folks did on their calendar. This got a chance to be one of the better games this year. And we go back to early in January when Baylor walked into the fog and just pounded Kansas. And the return visit was this past weekend. It was one versus three. Two also got beat. Four also got beat over the weekend. We'll get to that. But boy, Baylor and Kansas lived up to it. Kansas prevailed, Trent, but if you're a Baylor fan, I don't think that you, you know, you flip the channel or you, whatever you do at the end of the game. I don't think that you're distraught by any means. You weren't exposed. I think that Baylor absolutely belongs on the floor with Kansas. And Azubuki was just. You know, he played his best game of his career. Yeah, he was really good. What, he have 21 and 19 or 23 and 19, something crazy like that. And the way this Baylor team is built, it's built a little bit differently. And because of that, he certainly had an ability to have a lot more space inside. I had this conversation with somebody very similar to you that has struggled to wrap their mind around Baylor being this good. We've seen Baylor be a good program. Uh-huh. They made two Elite Eights. They've, they've been number one ranked here within the last five years before this season. So we've seen Baylor be good, but... He still said it was difficult to wrap his mind around Baylor being the best team in the country. And then after the game, he said, now we can see it. Yeah, me too. And I said, what, the 15-point the win in Fog Allen didn't do it for you, but a loss at home did? Yeah. He said, yeah, you're I'm in the, the same, same way. boat. I'm the same way. Uh, look, Baylor can absolutely win the national championship. They can. I don't think that they will, but they certainly can. Uh, that was a hell of a basketball game, Trent. It really was. Dotson, Garrett wasn't great in the in the game. Agbaji was, you know, he was terrible, I thought. Yeah. Uh, he was, I mean, he could make a shot. And some of his turnovers were just head-scratching. Right, he didn't score. He didn't score a single point. So uh, the game lived up to it, and it just started off Saturday just unbelievably well. Gonzaga would get beat the... Uh, uh, later on that night, and how about T.J. Otzelberger and UNLV going in and, and laying one on San Diego State, and that game got so good down the stretch. Otz's team is, I mean, the running reps were up double digits through most of it, but you knew that they were going to there was going to be a run, and this game was not going to, um, you know, just end in a non-dramatic fashion. It certainly did. Wow, what a, what a weekend. It was really cool to see Elijah Mitru Long. Yes. How about his free throws at the end? How about his inbound pass off the back of the big who was standing yes. in his... I mean, because he had made a... Uh, he had a stretch in that game. I don't know, five minutes left in the basketball game. And I'm thinking, TJ, you got to get him off the floor. He's killing you. All right. I mean, he was killing you. And then, you know, got a short memory. Uh, he was fantastic down the stretch. Uh, so that play that you mentioned, the throw out of bounds, mm-hmm. first seeing it, I thought it hit the player down on the floor there, the UNLV player that I was did down too. I, and I, oh boy. I yes, mean, I did. A heads too. up play, you do exactly right. what you're supposed to do there, and they're not going to get the ball back. Mm-hmm. And they go to replay. Replay can drive you crazy. Oh, and in college and basketball. It did in that game, Trent. Yes. How slow things go. Mm-hmm. The Just the flow of the game. And the NBA does such a better job of this. They go over, and it is quick. Do we need to put a time limit? And maybe this is something oh, across all sports. See, I wanted to get it right, but I get it. It's just it seems like they're using it as a crutch almost. Yes, like you know what? If we didn't get that right, we'll just go take a peek. At well, it and speaking we of that, you know, the crutch as we've talked about this in football, 
where a guy diving for the pylon and saying, well, call it a touchdown because if it's a touchdown, you're automatically going to review it, and it is that crutch. But it's a crutch that I guess I believe in a little bit. Mm -hmm. This is summer topics. This is another one across sports. What needs to be done? Because you talk to sports fans in general, they don't like the way this is set up. No, I know they don't. They don't like the way that you have to go through and... For a, right. lot of, for a lot of sports fans who clamored for replay in sports, they, this, the, the way it's gone as of late is almost making this. I see this see a lot on Twitter. You know what? I, I'm good without replay. Let's go back the way it was. Yeah. These games take too long. I don't know if, um, if the Twitter timeline is accurate, but, but I follow, we, all, we both, we, everybody follows Tommy Birch on Twitter. Yeah. He had the Iowa State women's game yesterday, and so I, I read Twitter constantly. It seemed to me like the end of the Iowa State Texas Tech women's game. The final 20, no, was it 23 or 32? I'll say 32. The final 32 seconds of the, of the women's basketball game, according to Twitter, to Twitter's purchase timeline, this tweet was 10 minutes ago. This tweet was five minutes ago. The final 32 seconds took over 10 minutes to play. Can't have that. That can't, can't have that at any level of basketball. It's not good for the players. No. It's not good for the game. It's not good for the fans and the people that are driving things. It's not good for television, especially when you're leading into other games that are possibly coming on. Got to find a way to make this better, to make it quicker, figure it out. And, I mean, this when we first heard replay in the NFL, it has to be evidence to overturn uh-huh. it. It has to be a, ver- a, a, a conversion that you see with your eyes mm-hmm. very quickly. Because it's not indisputable if you can't. If you can't see it right away, then right. that's not indisputable. It's not going to miraculously appear the third time that right. they play the replay. The verbiage that you use, actually use it. Uh-huh. Indisputable. Right, And if it's not that, go with the play the way it was called and go back and get the game going. That's what needs to happen. Because it's the free timeouts when you don't have any timeouts in college basketball. Um, so, but uh, just a terrific weekend. Carnage anxious to talk to Shelby Mast uh, tomorrow. Our bracketologist who joins us every Tuesday to see what, if anything, uh, this weekend in college basketball. Big Ten was bananas. We'll get to that at some point over the weekend. <laughs> God, I love that conference trend. The beat goes on for Creighton. Don't look now, but I think there's a legitimate team that's got a. Uh, yeah, I don't Final know. Four. I, I was going to go there, but I, I the, the way they're so, playing, they're playing really well, aren't yeah. they? They shoot it that well. They're at least competent on the defensive uh-huh. end. I mean, it's an offense that can be there. I mean, BYU on Saturday night. No, it's at home. Mm-hmm. I get that. But they are an elite-level offensive team. When Boy, they, they shoot were going the Saturday. Oh. So I got to see the last 12 minutes or so of the game after I got back from state wrestling. That was was that as good of an environment as yeah, you see in college basketball good. this year? Baylor was great, too. Yeah, it was. Which normally isn't exactly the... Best environments for basketball. Right, but there. Kansas was there. Right, and game day was and leading game into day it. Was leading into it. it you're not going to get that every time, but that BYU. Yeah, it was good. It was absolutely mm-hmm. nuts. And the storm court afterwards. Were you still up at that no, point? No, as soon as the game was over, I, I checked oh, out. It was. Was it bad? I mean, it, it was just that place is huge. It seats twenty two thousand, and I don't know how many students they had there. Ten thousand, but it felt like they were all on the floor. <laughs> it was one thing on a football field on a basketball court. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was nervous for the Gonzaga guys. It really was, but. <laughs> That was a really fun game last night. The upsets were incredible, but we've got to go to the local level. Yeah, we have saw. to, Trent. And uh, look, we both left Friday thinking, I won't fall off my chair if Iowa State picks this no. Texas Tech team. Because it's not a great Texas Tech I team. I didn't think they were either. Now, what is my opinion changed after watching them beat Iowa State by 30? And by the way, what's Jamie Pollard up? Maybe you know what he was doing. 
he was being proactive instead of reactive. He saw that this team was going to get crushed early. And, you know, I'm going to just remove the focus from Prohm's bunch, and I'm going to put it on me. Um, Deflecting away from a team that... why bite the hands that feed you, Jamie? Come on. Why would you take a shot at your fan base? Yeah, take shots at media, which was a part of it, too. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But at your fan base? And that didn't make any sense. But the the, the game itself... And really, he made a shot at his coach. Who wanted to follow? Who wanted to follow in right. that situation? Who wanted to follow. His guys just didn't follow through no. with the orders and that were given was, to them. And this was this was on the heels of the Kansas Baylor yep. game, but the game itself. Solomon Young was good. I mean, is he certainly shooting wise? I don't. There was he Look finally missed with a, the positive. He, he finally missed a shot late in the basketball game. But Trent, these guys are like they're like traffic cones. They're like pylons playing defense. They just stand around. Stand around and watch Texas Tech just go by a time after time. You know what? Condit was Condit was at least defensively engaged. He was swatting at balls, and I know he fouled a couple of times, but he caught a couple of blocks in the game. But man, oh man, this team. And it's not going to get any better next year, folks. No. I mean, where's the cavalry? You have one top 100 player in Xavier but he, Foster. But he's a freshman. He's a freshman big. Right. That isn't a score. Right. This isn't a guy that's averaging 37 a game in high school. Mm-hmm. This guy puts up good numbers, but he's not all of a sudden going to come in from playing 3A basketball in the state of Iowa and give you 15 and 8 mm-hmm. a night. Is Pollard just postponing the inevitable? I kind of feel like I felt at the next to last year of the Rhodes era. Like, mm-hmm. why, why are you doing waiting? You know I mean, pull the band-aid yeah, off? Yeah, absolutely. Do it right now because you're, you're, we're going to be in this exact same spot a year from now. We're going to be talking about a coaching change that should have happened the year before. Now, to be fair, you don't get Matt Campbell mm-hmm. uh, if, he, if he would have done it when I thought he should have done it. But it just seems like they're postponing the inevitable with the guy. I don't know. Uh, the recruiting class, they got a bunch of six. I looked at it. They got a bunch of six, five guys coming in. So a couple of them had decent offers. Yeah. Certainly Foster had his opportunities to go to a lot of schools. But I just, I just don't see it. Of the guys that are going to still re- retain eligibility after this year, Who's got? Uh, who's got? Who, who's? Which one of them is going to take that huge step forward from this year to next year to elevate this team's play? I don't know. Bolton is kind of what he is. He's a volume guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to take a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. There was a reason, though, that we didn't hear Penn State Chambers freaking out about the loss of him. Right? Yeah, well, that's true. And uh, likes I, the ball in his hands. And then we both liked him coming in. Yeah. But we both. Uh, we take a look now. Maybe maybe his supporting cast was a whole lot stronger. Yes. Look, it's the same with kind of this year with Michael Jacobson. Look mm-hmm. at last year's supporting cast as opposed to this year, right? Michael Jacobson had a really good junior, junior year. He did. Um, but he had better players around him, and he doesn't have that. Look, he he wasn't bad on rebound wise. Michael Jacobson is still engaged, but the, just the roster overall, Trent. I mean, swinging a miss. I, I thought we were going to see a lot more out of Prentice Nixon. I thought Bolton was going to be at least more efficient this year. He's scoring at a good level, mm-hmm. but I thought he'd be a more efficient player. Now, what we've seen the last couple of weeks playing minus Tyrese Halliburton, but this is before that. This is a team lost to a, what, a MEAC team yeah. at home. Now, that, another one without Halliburton, but you just you can't afford that. And to your point about pulling off the band aid here, we've seen this happen in our state two different times. Greg McDermott knew that he was going into his last season. If he didn't get it done, he was going to be fired. Creighton job came open. He took it. Steve Alford did the same. Mm-hmm. He knew he did not have a team coming back the following year that was going to be a tournament team. Right. And if he didn't get to the and, tournament... And Prome has to know, Trent. Prome he, has to know. So you look around and see what's out there. Uh-huh. You're certainly listening. And he's he has a resume that you would look at and say, okay, 
Mm-hmm. You hire a guy that's been to a couple of Sweet 16 and you're a low-level ACC, SEC program or a top-level mid-major school from that area. Plus, he's not a Midwest guy. And location matters. And you can try to recruit, but number one, at any recruit, you go through football, basketball, it doesn't matter the sport. The number one deal when you're going through is location. Yes, you can get guys from all across the country, but the biggest thing is proximity to their hometown, and that is a big thing. Well, when you're recruiting bases the south and getting guys up to Ames, that's difficult to do. I think he's going to. I think the opportunity. I'm not sure it's there in a power on the power sixes, but maybe there's one of those upper level mid majors, and some guy jumps to one of those openings mm-hmm. in power five. Maybe that's a landing spot. You're right. It's happened twice, and, and the two guys. You're you're 100 right. McDermott when Creighton came open, and of course Alford to see jumps and uh, and heads west when that opportunity presented itself in the valley. Uh, you you and I was was as Jekyll and Hyde as a basketball game as I've seen in a long three time. different times. Trent, they started out, they couldn't miss. Right. Then they went through nine minutes and they didn't score a point. 22 to, to the end of the half? 20, 20, was it 22 to 2 or 20 to 2? Whatever it was, it was ridiculous the way that they ended the final nine minutes of the first half. And then the switch flips again to start the, uh, to, to start the final 20 minutes. And that was a big win for this team because yeah. Loyola had lost earlier in the day. You and I don't, didn't want to, you know, end their season kind of, uh, eh. Certainly not the way that we thought that they were going to. Limping towards the Limping finish. is a good way to put it. I saw Lenardi yesterday. He still thinks. Uh, now was, where did I see him? Was, was, was somebody relaying a Lenardi conversation? But Lenardi and you and I came up. It's something I was watching yesterday. And he thought that there's still an opportunity for an at-large if they get the Sunday and lose. So that would put them at 27-6. and six. Losses to West Virginia, Illinois State, which is a bad one, mm-hmm. SIU, Loyola, Indiana State, and whoever they lose to in the final. Win against Colorado, South Carolina is a decent win, but that's not even a tournament team. There's just not a whole lot more meat left on that resume when you go through it. Right. The opportunities are there. You're talking about, what, three or four quad three losses, which doesn't look good on your resume. I don't know. I, a lot of would have to break right. There is a possibility... But that means nobody in one of the big tournaments making a big run that wasn't anticipated. Those bubble teams getting hot and getting to the semifinals or finals that you talk about. You'd have to have a lot go right. There is a path. I just don't know how realistic it is. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm not sure that I'm seeing it either. So, um, well, I mean, I hope Lenardi's right. I hope that it works out yeah, the way yeah. it does. Uh, fi- finally, before we get to break, we'll get uh, Alex Halstead. We'll do Iowa State. We'll do the Big 12. Boy, Iowa State TCU, by the way. It seems to me, if they have any hope, and at this point, I'm not sure that there is, of avoiding the opening night in Kansas City. They have to be TCU. TCU's got a two-game lead on them at this point. And if you have any hope whatsoever of avoiding opening night, you better beat the Frogs when you've got them tomorrow at 6. Because if you don't, I don't think it's... Because uh, Kansas State's below you. Oklahoma mm-hmm. State's right with you. So you're not fighting those teams. You're you're trying to find a way to get out, uh, to get to a Texas level or to get to a TCU level. And you've got TCU left. You've got to win that basketball game tomorrow night if you have any hope of avoiding Wednesday night in Kansas City. Right now, two games behind TCU and Texas in the standings. Texas, yeah, that's split. TCU would be a split. So it comes if into, they win, right, comes into tiebreakers there. I just, 
I don't think there's a realistic path either. Well, there, there is, and I don't think there is one if they get beat tomorrow. No, I don't think there's all. a yes. chance in hell that they're that they're the path is there if they get beat tomorrow. Plenty of good seats available for that one. I'm going to guess. Yeah, you know what? Um, I would be. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Six o'clock tip. Yeah, it wouldn't it's be TCU a bit, the right least sexy team. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even when true. they're even when they're decent, uh-huh. it's still eh, TCU. Yeah. You yeah. have history with Oklahoma State. You have history with Kansas State. Even when those teams aren't very good. TCU, no history, nothing to fall back on there. No. In a way, it doesn't even really still feel, especially on the basketball side, it doesn't even feel the, the, exactly like a fit. Big 12 game. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what it's you mean. It's just completely different. But uh, we'll get six out. o'clock start, right? Both of them. Iowa and Iowa State both played six o'clock. By the way, if you want to win tickets to this Saturday's Iowa game against Penn State, it's the final uh, weekend home game. Final weekend home game at Carver. And tickets are crazy for well, that Well, one. yeah, they're sold out. My parents were trying to get, or it was my uncle who was trying to get tickets for it. Said he can't get in the door for less than two twenty five for a pair. Is that right? Get in the door. Sit anywhere in Carver. We're not talking Ooh. about lowers. We're talking about up there in just, the nose. Just, yeah, just get in the. You just find. A well, seat. you don't have to worry about paying that two twenty five. KXNO.com, KXNO.com, Click the contest link. Doctor Stephen Fuller, FullerDental.net, has given us a couple of tickets to see the Hawks in Penn State uh, coming up this weekend. What we need you to do, KXNO.com, Click the contest tab. Simply uh, give us the total points in tomorrow's Michigan State Iowa game. So this contest closes tomorrow at five fifty nine. Sign up at KXNO.com. Total points, closest without going over. Michigan State and Iowa, the tiebreaker is going to be same same deal, closest without going over. Garza points and rebounds combined. So he's going to get 20 and 9. 29 would be your answer. Total points in the game. If there's, we don't need to go to the tiebreaker, whoever has that closest without going over will win two tickets to see Penn State and Iowa. We hope you use them, although it sounds like there's a chance to make a little profit if you yes. can't make it. I'm looking at uh, SeatGeek right now. In fact, the get-in price, cheapest ticket, 166 That's for one. And that's an early tip, right? 11 o'clock? Is that what it is? I think it's 11. 11 a.m. Get over there. Have your afternoon still in front mm-hmm. of you. Don't worry about paying it. Just figure out what the Hawks are going to do against Michigan State. More importantly, what Luca Garza is going to do against Michigan State tomorrow night. Boy, oh boy, that's going to be a hell of a matchup, isn't it? Oof. Uh, we will take a timeout, come back. We will talk Iowa State with Alex Halstead, Miller and Condon with you until noon. Uh, we got John Bolingcap. Scott Dockerman is making his way to Indianapolis, so we'll do a lot on the Combine tomorrow with Doc. Uh, today we'll probably preview Michigan State, uh, Iowa uh, with John Bolingcap and catch up on what's going on with him. The Maven Sports Illustrated is where you can read all of John work maybe a baseball question or two i watched the marquee network you did i did on saturday now i didn't see the whole cubs game i watched probably the first three innings of the game uh-huh. um, <laughs> okay you know there's, it's, there's a rigging endorsement yeah, yeah i mean it's spring training baseball i can't get crazy although it was pretty cool to see baseball on my tv i yeah. got to admit that uh the the score box what do they call it the bug the bug yeah it was it's like anything else, right? It's different. It's going to take some getting used to. Um, the play, Len and JD are still there, so mm-hmm. so that part uh, hadn't changed, and some of the voices that they're bringing in were essentially the same. They mic'd up a couple of guys, which was kind of cool, I guess. But yeah. uh, Marquee Network, 
Mediacom's got it. They do. Mediacom has it. If you're a Mediacom subscriber, you're good to go for the Cubs. Of course, if you're a DirecTV subscriber, it's channel 664. If you haven't found your way up uh, looking for the Cubs yet, 664. We'll take a timeout. Alex Halstead is next. Miller and Condon until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.org. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, now on 106.3 FM as we take you until noon. In the 11 o'clock hour, we will talk Iowa with John Bowen Camp and college basketball from a national perspective with uh, Kerry Miller from Bleacher Report. Iowa State conversation right now. He's Alex Halstead. CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 sports. Uh, Alex Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Alex. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. You know, I, I forgot to mention this in the uh, in the opening segment when Trent and I were going around the weekend. That loss uh, on Saturday was historically bad, right? That is that the worst loss in the history of uh, Hilton Coliseum for Iowa State? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. If, if you Oof. were there on Saturday, you witnessed some history, even if it's uh, kind of history that Iowa State doesn't want. That 30-point loss is the worst home loss at Hilton Coliseum. Um, the second worst uh, is 29 points to Kansas in 2003. And actually now the third worst is 26 points earlier this season to Kansas. So two of the worst three home losses at, at Hilton um, have come this season. In terms of just home losses, period, uh, it's the fifth worst. Uh, obviously, you know, the the other four are at State Gym or the ISU Armor. You have to go back to 1951 to even find Ooh. a 30-point-plus 30 home loss before this one. So it was not a good weekend in terms of uh, – the record books, I guess. No, no doubt about it. I wonder, was it Terrace Lewis who dribbled out the ball at the end of the game without trying? Like, I'm kind of, you know, not that it would have made a difference, but it maybe wouldn't have been the, you know, it wouldn't have seen history being made. Maybe he should have fired up a three or whoever it was. It was either Griffin or Lewis, I think, at the end that had the ball in their hand as time was, you know, uh, ticking down to zero. Maybe they should have hoisted one and a prayer might have been answered. Yeah, there, there's a couple points to that. One is, I think, Texas Tech had about two seconds difference between the shot clock and the, the game clock. And uh, I think Chris Beard maybe wanted them to just dribble it out and take the violation, but their freshman um, went, went and dunked it. I think he said something to Promo afterwards, and Promo was like, whatever. But maybe maybe if they knew that that was for history, uh, right. Promo would have been a little bit more angry about the late dunk. Uh, but, yeah, I would say probably could have tried to something either way. But, yeah, the only thing that that would have done is salvage them being the second worst Hilton Coliseum loss. But, uh, hey, at least they wouldn't have been at the top. That's a good point, Alex Halstead joining us, CycloneAlert.com. Alex, these losses, it's bad losses for a team that isn't very good, but I think it paints a context here just how bad it's gotten for this Iowa State team. And Hilton Coliseum, it's so important. Hilton Magic is so important to Cyclone fans. And, and seeing these losses and these losses in this kind of fashion, is that leading to even more heat, more frustrations inside the fan base about the future of Prome? Well, it, the weird thing to me is recently, you know, when you see some of these losses, you really don't see much even anymore on social media or you don't really get tweeted at and stuff like anymore. I think it's to the point where it's just like they don't, fans are just kind of tuned out for the season. Apathy? I think that's almost sometimes worse. Ooh, yes. But, yeah, I think that can be sometimes worse than 
even outraged because it's just like they've accepted the fact that this is what happens this year. And um, the issue recently is that it's not just that they're losing. I think we've you know all seen that this is a team that's you know especially without Tyrese Halliburton not going to win a lot of games. But it's the fact that you know you should be losing even without Tyrese Halliburton by thirty points or. You look back the last few games, you know, at, at Kansas by 20, I guess maybe that one was a little more acceptable than, than you know, say to Oklahoma by 29. You know, their last three losses um, with a Texas win sprinkled in there is 29, 20, and 30. You know, they, they shouldn't be getting absolutely blown out. You know, they've had 10 Big 12 losses this year. Five of those have been by 20-plus points. Uh, I think eight of the 10 have been by at least 13 points. So it's not just that they're losing, it's the way they're losing. I think that's probably the most concerning part. Yeah, and I think there's even another concerning part still to come, and that's when season ticket renewals go out, uh, Alex, for for next year. I just don't see the hope. I mean, look, at I, yeah, you have to be able to sell hope, and you, you want a reason to renew these tickets. They've been asked Iowa State fans, and, and they're as loyal bunch as anybody, but there has to come a breaking point at some point, right? When, when Hoiberg was doing his thing, the price of those tickets are, are are going up and if you can't, you've sat there forever but you can no longer afford to pay that we still want you but you just can't sit here, we got to move you over there so there's got to become a breaking point I just don't see, where's the hope for next year with what's returning and freshmen coming in, I, I, I don't see it Yeah, the combination of, of any hope is going to have to probably be hoping that a couple of those freshmen can step in but more so than that is probably going to be uh, centered on if Steve Crone can go out and find one or two transfers that you know people actually think can make an impact. I think that's where any hope is going to have to come from. Um, you know, he said Saturday that uh, defensively, they're you know he's it's, he's said it Thursday that it's a broken record. Saturday he said it was just mm-hmm. ridiculous. You know, he's to the point where I think he even made a comment that said if it can't be figured out now, we have to figure it out as soon as we can, which more so hints towards the off season and that can mean a number of different things, but. You know, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Offensively, they've been okay at times. You know, they still scored um, okay against you know Texas Tech, who's a top five defensive team. But the problem is just defensively, they're not even anywhere close to the rest of the league. You know, they're last in the Big Twelve in adjusted defense according to Ken Palm, and it's not even close to being you know with that ninth place team. So, you know, they've got to figure out a lot of things defensively, and you know, they've talked about toughness and that sort of thing for quite a while. But it's to the point where you you can say those things, but they don't really mean anything at this point. I think. You know, they've got to figure out whether it's players, whether it's scheme. I, I think it's probably more so players than it is scheme, but um, I guess we'll see what that means this offseason. Well, there's uh, you would hope hope for the future. Xavier Foster around here gets a lot of headlines. Alex, at 24-7, you guys do so much on recruiting. Can you take us through the three other players, though, in this uh, class that have signed? Dudley Blackwell, Darlington Stone, Dunbar, and Jaden Walker. And tell us a little bit about each of those guys. Yeah, Dudley Blackwell, you know, is is kind of a type of player. I don't know if necessarily next year, but he's the type of player they're missing this year. I think the one one thing that really seems to be missing this year is a wing, you know, a Merrill Shayok type or a Taylor Horton Tucker type, those type of bodies at least. And they just don't have that type of body this year. You know, at times they're playing Prentice Dixon, Roger Bolton, and Tyrese Halliburton together early in the season. And basically all three of those are combo guards um, or point guards. And so they, they've really missed that bigger, long wing, uh, Dudley Blackwell, uh, is definitely that. Um, you know, we'll see what he can do early. You know, he's uh, right there behind Xavier Foster as their number two commit. The guy that's actually been the big riser in the class, I think he's now top 150 at rivals. Um, he's, a, I think, a four-star by ESPN. Will stuff to evaluate him by the time the, the spring signing period comes around uh, and kind of finalize his ranking. But he's really risen up near the four-star range uh, is Darlingstone Dubar. And, uh, you know, I think he 
wasn't necessarily highly recruited, but he's played really well against good competition uh, this winter and now into the spring. And so he could be someone that rises a little bit more. He's already risen you know, from probably a mid-three-star to a, a high three-star and on the verge of, of the four-star range. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. And then Jaden Walker thinks kind of the the interesting piece in terms of, you know, he's a combo guard, but um, you know, I think Iowa State feels like probably in a similar way to Trey Jackson was a little under-recruited. But, you know, I, I think it's now kind of always wait and see with some of these guys that they think are hidden gems because, you know, you look at this last recruiting class they brought in, two of the guys were gone and Luke Anderson and Marcita Sleets before the season began. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen Caleb Grill and Trey Jackson, you know, kind of have their ups and downs, you know, through their freshman season. So I think unless you're really that star like Tyrese Halliburton or some of those guys of recent years, um, you know, I think it's kind of now a little bit more wait and see on these freshmen. So how do how do you hold? I mean, what what's left for the season? There, there's still, I guess, is is the goal simply to avoid the the Wednesday night in Kansas City? And I don't know how that's going to happen. I, especially, you know, they they've got TCU, Oklahoma State's right there with them, but they, it's seemingly they're going to have to, you know, make up two games on you know on one of these TCU, Texas. Or what's his, uh, is Oklahoma the other one? I think it's Oklahoma. I, I don't know how you're going to do that. I, I really don't. Especially uh, if the frogs come in here and win tomorrow, then you're then what? I mean, how does Prome keep this team focused and keep this team together down the stretch? Well, that was the goal last week was to avoid Wednesday. I think they're all but playing on Wednesday now. I mean, like you said, they have to get two games on Texas Tech, or I'm sorry, on Texas and TCU. TCU might not win another game if they don't win Tuesday at Hill. They still have a Baylor in Kansas really, for really, sure. Yeah. Really tough schedule. Um, Texas though um, still has some opportunities. But the problem for Iowa State was not only the combination of their loss Saturday, but um, Texas beat Kansas State and then TCU upset West Virginia, and that gave them both a two-game lead. Now and I think that basically all but puts Iowa State Wednesday. Yep. Uh, but that had been the whole talking point for the last week or so: is hey, this is what you have your eyes set on is avoid Wednesday. But I think. You know, barring a miraculous run, um, that's that's kind of it. But I think Prone could still probably sell them a little bit on finishing strong against a weaker schedule. Um, you know, he even said it himself Saturday. Uh, he's pretty blunt about it. You know, they haven't had problems as much as many problems with the bottom part of the league. You know, they their two losses that weren't blowouts were um, a two point loss to TCU on the road and a four point loss to Texas on the road. Um, you know, they they handled Kansas State pretty easily. Uh, Oklahoma State, they handled pretty well at home. So, you know, their, their struggles have been against the top, and they still now have uh, TCU on Tuesday. They go to Oklahoma State. They do have to host West Virginia then the next Tuesday, but then they go to Kansas State. So three of those teams are in the bottom part with them, and they think that they can compete with those three teams. And uh, West Virginia, we just saw lose at, at TCU. So I think they think that they can pick up a couple more wins here, uh, but I think those wins are more so just for pride than anything because it's looking like they're probably starting to get uh, – pretty much set into Wednesday in Kansas City. Last one in basketball, and we got a couple on football. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. Uh, back to back to Steve Prohm and the, and the, and the postgame. Did you sense, um, not resignation, but frustration maybe starting to uh, come to the fore as, as maybe is not, not worse, but certainly as pronounced as it has been at any other point in the season? He sounded like... Uh, not like a beaten down coach, but he, he certainly sounded like. I mean, he doesn't have the answers. He's they're saying the right things, but then they, you know, they don't play like they're supposed to after they get through practice. Was he? Is he frustrated? Yeah, I mean, that was the most forceful his voice was in terms of like the tone of the voice. Uh, and I think a lot of that at times was anger when he would get into talking about certain things. You know, he's told us probably five times this exact phrase of, 
you know, when they go to the film room, they get 99s out of 100. They know what they're supposed to do, but it doesn't translate to the game, and he can't figure out why it's not translating. He said they had, um, you know, I think talked about, you know, switching every ball screen, and then they were icing ball screens on the first, on the second possession of the game. And he's just frustrated that the things that they're supposedly getting, at least in the film room, they're not doing in games. And I think he's frustrated because he can't figure out, you know, how to get that to translate. And so, um you know, so, so I do think that was the most frustration, but a lot of it was the same things as, hey, we've got to get better defensively, we've got to get better defensively. And they've been telling that us that, you know, probably since the Iowa game at least. And so, you know, it's really the same talking points, but nothing's changed. And so I think now he's starting to get to the point of, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know. I think he, he, he maybe knows it's going to take the offseason for, for things to change. And this is kind of what they are for the last two weeks. Over to some football, spring football around the corner. But before that, Got a junior day coming up. A lot of uh, high school recruits going to be making their way in. Any big names on that list? Any guys? Certainly, Iowa State targeting towards the top of their football recruiting list. Yeah, this is this is kind of a, a different type of junior day. It seems like so far I've got some names, and there's a couple guys with offers out there. But you know, really, um, it seems to be more guys that you know some area guys that could get camp type offers, and they're trying to get guys in before you know summer camp rolls around. But like you said, spring football then rolls around and. You know, uh, on March 14th, I think uh, right around there, you know, Brody Brecht is going to get back from Ankeny. Obviously, you know, Iowa State, Iowa, Nebraska are all in the mix for him, along with some others. You know, he's a kid in state they're really pushing for. Right around then, Max Llewellyn from Urbandale, the tight end that they offered, is going to visit again. Uh, he just picked up a Kansas offer after Iowa State, and he's supposed to also get to Iowa and Missouri and uh, I think Kansas State in March. So things are really going to pick up in March, both with that junior day, but also kind of leading up to and, and with spring football because Iowa State's going to start bringing in kids for just practices if they can make it out. But, you know, the in-state kids, you know, Brody Breck, uh, Max Llewellyn, um, P.J. Bowlers, you know, those are three kids right now that Iowa State's really continuing to push for in-state, and those kids are probably going to all start to get back for spring football uh, beginning in March. But it's going to be kind of a weird March because Iowa State won't begin spring pr- uh, practice until after spring break. Uh, right around March 24th. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> uh, last thing for me, uh, Steve Wordle, I mean, he's the long snapper, and it's good that we didn't know his name because that means he did his job and did it effectively. And, I mean, they don't get any praise. They don't jump off the film when you're doing it properly. But uh, Steve Wordle's at the Combine, uh, which is kind of cool, right? Because there's, there's room on rosters. They need 32 of them, for crying out loud, in the NFL. What's his story? Yeah, well, you know, Iowa State recruited him out of the Chicago area. Yeah, I think he was at the time ranked as one of the best long snappers in the country, and their plan was for him to come in, start four years, and he he did that. And quickly started hearing buzz about the, him, at least beyond the scenes of like, hey, they thought this guy could play in the NFL. And like you said, those guys don't really get a lot of public recognition, so it's not like people are like, oh, Iowa State's got an NFL long snapper. But <laughs> Iowa State had thought that at least for his junior and, and senior years. I think you saw Gil Brandt. Um, well, obviously, well respected. I think ranked him as his best long snapper. You know, Matt Campbell told us that typically at least one long snapper gets drafted in the sixth or seventh rounds. Um, you know, we've seen a guy like in Chicago, Patrick Manley, he made a 10 year plus career out of just being the long snapper there. So, you know, he does have an NFL future, they think. Uh, he's just one of a couple long snappers at the NFL Combine. So, uh, it'd actually be a, a good week for him to do some interviews and try to get onto a team that needs a long snapper. Uh, and I think his hope is that. You know, if there's one or two long snappers drafted, typically in the sixth or seventh rounds, uh, that he can be that guy this year. Did he ever come in and, and snap the ball in in an injury situation at all during his career? I I don't remember. Do you, did did he? Do you know? No, I I don't think so. I mean, he's not uh, big enough, right? Yeah, 
uh, yeah, I don't think he's ever done that because I think, you know, when, when they have the injury um, this year, uh, you know, Derek Swiger and different guys like that came yeah. in. But uh, he, you did see him bulk up over his career. And uh, like like you said, they don't get a lot of notoriety. A lot of people think they just have the ball. But the one time he did get some praise was uh, when he drew Texas offside to basically oh, sure. give him, a, give yeah. him that field goal attempt. And uh, that was one time we talked to him, and I think people finally were like, man, that guy, that guy does play a little bit more of a role than I thought they do. The one time we talked to him, the life of a long slapper. Good stuff. Alex, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Uh, Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Harvey Weinstein, guilty. Just saw that come across. It's breaking now. Uh, yeah, the jury, they they, uh, they sent him home for the weekend and came back early Monday morning and did their business. Harvey Weinstein, guilty. Uh, we'll take a time out. Come back, finish up the hour. Miller and Condon with you until noon. Busy 11 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll do the Hawks. Uh, Fran McCaffrey just had his teleconference. A little bit of news from it. Uh, we'll uh, do that on the other side. Uh, and then we'll talk college basketball from a national perspective with Kerry Miller from Bleacher Report. Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on six Across the state. Hi, right, Miller and Condon. Final couple of minutes of the first hour of the program. Uh, Fran McCaffrey's teleconference from earlier today. CJ Frederick remains questionable. Questionable is the term we're using for this one. So, Best. didn't you say that there were you heard talk that Penn State was the more logical? I mean, I'm going back to last week, right? Yes, and at that time, that's what it sounded like here. In a way, they're playing with house money after the victory that they got on the road, coupled with the uh, the victory last week, but. Michigan State's right there with you. Mm-hmm. If any chance at all, I understand the Breslin Center has been a house of horrors for Iowa throughout the years, but they got them a couple years back up there and ended that long losing streak at East Lansing. He's had two foot injuries, two different foot injuries. Does that also play in at least a little bit? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I because was when he came back after the first injury. Precisely. He was back as quick as he was, for yes. starters. Is he a quick healer? Is that a real thing? Need to get a doctor on these stupid malpractices that we throw out there. That there's no such thing as a quick healer. You just you just heal. Some guys can play through pain. Maybe that's what it is, and he can play right. through more pain. Again, we're playing radio show doctor here. We don't know the actual ins and outs here. I think I just save it for Penn State personally. I I don't give Iowa much hope in East Lansing. What, what's the number going to be? Have you figured that out? Ken. Ken Pomeroy, who is very close to the point spread, he has it. Where's Michigan State? Sparty right there. He has it six. Tick it up a little more. Seven, seven and a half. I'd probably mm-hmm. still lay the points. Anything above that is when I'd have to start mm-hmm. thinking. But Weiss Camp on the road, that hasn't gone oh, well. Yes. Garza will get his. Yeah, well, he always does. It, but is. Are you going to get the same out of Pemsel and Evelyn off the bench? I hope you get the same out of Pemsel. Cordell Pemsel's been, other than the, you know, when he decided to go get some fast food. Right. uh, He's had a pretty good month of February. He really has. He's uh, he's looking like he he did when he was a freshman in in some respects. So uh, we'll see. We'll talk about that with John Bowenkamp coming up in the second hour of the program. Uh, Kerry Miller, Trent, and I will go around college basketball. I'm not sure. With all the the carnage that we saw, it maybe moved some teams. I don't think it cost anybody seeding necessarily right it might have moved some teams around maybe 
more so. I think the one seeds are are the same coming out of the weekend as they were going into the weekend. We've got Shelby Mass tomorrow. Ecology, uh, he's bracketwag.com. A busy 11 o'clock hour, a lot of college basketball conversation. As Trent and I take you until noon, it's Miller and Condon weekdays uh, from 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM.